right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to High Desert Word Center. Praise God. Who's ready to have a good time in the house of the Lord today? Yes, sir. We are going to have a great time. And so, uh, obviously, a lot of you know what's going on here, why we're all in this smaller building today. And uh, we'll explain more here in a few minutes and give you some updates uh, regarding all of that. And uh, we know this much, it's going to be a really good day in the house of the Lord. Now, as more people come in, because, we, hey, sometimes people are a little bit late to church. None of, you know, none of you, but sometimes other people are. So as they come in, you may have to sit right up next to people today, all right? You may not be able to have your nice big three spots between you and the next guy type of thing. But that's all right. We're going to be nice and cozy and uh, make the most of this great opportunity. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and then we will uh, give you some good updates on uh, everything that's going on. Praise God. Let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise. And you may be seated this morning, all right. I'm going to use, can Pastor Katie have this mic so we can both, all right, so I'm going to give you that one. And so we are going to give you a little bit of an update on what's going on. And I've got a little video footage I'll show you here in a minute too to kind of show you uh, what's happening. Maybe we should step down there that way we can actually see the video too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, don't fall, honey. There we go. So uh, in case you didn't know, on Tuesday... Uh, we uh, came into the main building, my dear mother and I. Uh, she was in there first, but she saw water covering the whole church. And we're like, did we get like a full-size baptism tank put in that we didn't know about? Or uh, what's going on? And so come to find out that the toilet in the upstairs nursery, a gasket on the main line there had uh, blown out. And uh, anyway, it flooded the whole church. Well, a lot of the church, I should say, not not the entire church. There are a few dry spots. And uh, and so uh, the good news is that insurance is covering, uh, is going to cover it. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, we just got to kind of do some things in the meantime. All right, let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. It says to praise him in every circumstance. And so that's what we're doing. We're praising him in every circumstance. Now, the goal is that this would be the only Sunday morning that we're in this building like this. Uh, so we'll just see how things progress this week. Uh, but things are coming along, and God is really, really good to us. And so we're, we're definitely going to praise him through all this. Amen. Do you have anything so far to add? to? She knows a lot more than I do on this. No, I'll just give you, because people will ask this portion. So uh, it was really a third of the building that had the major water damage, but the water... Um, you know, water goes where it wants to go. And so it uh, went half of the main sanctuary carpet. We do not have to replace the carpet again. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, so it is all dried out, um, but there is definitely some construction going on in there. So we have told all of the leadership team that do not go in the main building for anything, okay? Because it's just not safe right now. So if you see the doors open, 
you can't go in, okay? Um, so, and if you see the restoration team come up, you know, as we're leaving church, just remind them that I've required them to be in service tonight, okay? Okay. All right. Yeah, she talked to the contractors. She said if they want to work on Sundays on the building, be in they got to come to the church service first. So we'll see if they're <laughs> Amen. So praise God. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and Maylee, if you want to play the uh, video here, you could do that and we may kind of narrate. But the first video you're going to see is when I initially walked into the building and saw the flood. I grabbed my cell phone right away because, hey, I'm a millennial and I'm like, this. someone's going to want to see this. And uh, and uh, but anyway, so this is what I originally discovered that it was the toilet leaking. So go ahead, Maylee, and you can play that uh, video there for us. There we go. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Well, we're in. I'm no plumber. I didn't know where to look. <laughs> I do know how to turn off water. There we go. This is our. <laughs> yeah. This is our proof that the water got turned off, but that shutoff valve broke. About Here's an hour our later. nursery now. situation the lord intends floods for our good yes amen. and we know that around here so when i saw this i said oh praise god for our new nursery there you go yep, it's gonna all turn out for our good walking on water like jesus though come on somebody oh already, just so you know that. There's nothing in the men's restroom. Here's the women's restroom. It wasn't quite as bad. But it's supposed to be getting gutted today. Don't worry. Okay. Girls, you get a new one too. Here's the sanctuary. Before the shutoff valve broke? Before you see this, the cinder blocks are nine inches thick. And so in a moment, I'm hoping he shows yeah, I got the, a picture. Okay. Right in a moment, you'll see that the, it That's the, outside, the outside of the building. <laughs> it's a lot of water. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Positive. All things work together. <laughs> Amen. All right. Go ahead. You can bring the lights on for us this morning. But, you know, uh, we're giving the Lord praise in every circumstance, as we've said. And God's going to cause all this to turn out for our good. Now, it may seem a little bit tight in here today and more people will be coming in. But uh, this morning, uh, Norma uh, messaged us and is like, Dana and Liz Nile. Who knows Dana and Liz Nile, our missionaries? All right. She's like, they just put a picture online of their church service this morning. They're out in the middle of nowhere in Nepal, and they posted a picture of their church service. And go ahead and put that picture up there if you could. That's where they're having church in Nepal this morning. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, we've got seats, we've got air conditioning, and that's uh, that's a tight fit there. But 
their love in Jesus. Christians all over the world are meeting together right now, celebrating and worshiping Jesus and giving him glory and reading his word. And that's what we're doing, too. And so, you know, it may seem uh, not our normal thing, but praise God. Aren't we blessed that, that, that we've got this? Amen. Aren't we blessed? For everything that the Lord has done for us, and uh, and we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna let any negativity or anything like that come in because all things do work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And uh, in the end, this is gonna be a great big blessing. Amen. You got anything else to say on this? Um, no, just a few like you know housekeeping things that obviously it's a little tiny in here, and we're really glad that you're family and that you love each other, and so you can't get annoyed with each other like you do sometimes at home because you love each other, right? So the restrooms are out this back door and to your right. There are only two restrooms. So please, if you could limit it, that would be great. We understand that sometimes you just got to got to go. And so that's not a problem, but please use them in here and don't try to use them at other buildings. Um, and if you could limit those breaks going forward, we are working um, on having some better logistics and more restrooms because we know that we can't use the main building without restrooms. Um, but our hope is that, as he mentioned, next Sunday, we will be back in the main building as the adult crew, the Sunday morning main, and then we can allow the children's church to be back in here and they can do their back to school bash and all their promotions like they planned. Um, so this week they let the students move up. So all of them moved up classes, but they didn't get any congratulations or party. And so next week we'll take care of that as well. Uh, so just be looking when you pull into the parking lot over the next week or two, just pay attention to any signs that we have up. Drive very slowly, please, um, because there's just a lot of people all around the property right now, um, and they're not all on sidewalks like we would like. So please just be cautious around the property. Make sure that you stay with your children in the parking lot. We have big yellow signs to remind you of that, um, but the ushers will be um, very clear that you need to be with your kids in the parking lot. So avoid correction and obey the first time, okay? Okay. Amen. So, yeah, it's all working out uh, for good. And I also want to thank everybody that's helped out over the last week with moving things and, and just a lot has happened, uh, a whole lot. And so lots of people have put in a whole lot of hours. I have to add to that men's meeting yesterday, we kind of canceled their, their normal man time um, <laughs> and gave them work time. Yay. Um, and it was a huge, huge blessing to the church. It's awesome to watch the body of Christ work that every piece and portion is doing its part. And it really is just a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, so Pastor Dave came and opened and did the spiritual part. Um, and then they let me do the bossing around because once in a while they let me do that. She's so, really good at that. <laughs> so yesterday uh, we, we just said we need the platform cleared off. We need to take care of all of our music and sound equipment. Um, and so the men at the men's meeting had that whole thing cleared off in like hour, hour and a half, moved the platform wall, everything. Uh, but it was really awesome to watch them work together. They moved the baby grand piano, like no problem. Yeah. Um, they were lifting those stage walls and, a, you know, they laid it down and, and lifted the platform walls and they were stepping onto steps that weren't there anymore because the steps are removed. So it was just really awesome to watch them all work together. Um, and for them to be glad to serve in the house of God. Amen. So thank you, everybody, man. It's all coming together really, really good. Praise the Lord. Um, so a, a couple of things. We're getting ready to do Sunday morning tithes and offerings, which is? 
Yeah. And so instead of uh, everybody coming forward today, we are going to pass the buckets down the aisle like, you know, like in the good old days. Amen. Fun stuff. And also communion will be later at the end of the service. And the communion trays will also be passed down today. That way we don't all come forward, all right? So it's coming straight to you today, amen? It's going to be really, really good. All right? Well, I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor come on up. She's going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings down there. <laughs> and give you some other good well, good information. Good morning, everybody. Right. We're so glad you're all here. Oh, hallelujah. Just look around at one another. We can't do meet and greet today, but look around and wave. Wave at those in back of you. Wave at those beside you. Say, hey, I love you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thomas loves everybody. Thanks, Thomas. He's obedient. Okay. If you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand, and the ushers will be more than happy to give you an offering envelope. Um, our verse today is Hebrews 11, verse 6, and I'm in the New King James. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him say impossible for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so if we're diligently seeking the Lord we're being obedient to his will and the things that he has caused called us to do number one is to be tithers and to give offerings but I want to talk a minute as well I'm shoving a couple of things in here at once I'm going to talk to you about SMTI about our Bible college um, this is Toward the end of the year, you can't hardly pick it up because it's so big. This is year one. This is a Supernatural Ministers Training Institute that we're going to be hosting again this year, year one and year two. You have to take year one before you take year two. If you are interested in this, then uh, see Cletus uh, over here. Raise your, raise your hand. There's Cletus Brown or see me. But you have to get this, they have to get this done. You have to register online. Now, what I want to talk to you about now is don't be afraid of the money part of it. The money part of it, say, a piece of cake. It's a piece of cake, whether you think it is or not. Yet there's a $25 application fee and $175 first class and $75 a month after that. It's a nine-month class, three, three hours a night, Monday night starting September the 12th, three hours, okay? You're not going to be sorry you went to this thing, but if you're going to go, I need for you to register, and I don't need for you to register online, SMTI online, Go ahead and register online. When the, you send in your application, then they get back to me so that I can approve you or disapprove you. And I don't know anybody in here that I would disapprove, so we need to approve you. But then, then Midland, Michigan, has to have time to send out all these notebooks, which will be blank. And all the lessons that we're going to be handing out for the next month, nine months, plus the DVDs. So, you know, you need to get on the ball and hustle. Now, listen, if... Some people can pay the $700, just a piece of cake, nothing. Other people, it's a problem. If it's a problem, remember last week I taught on sowing a seed. If you have a desire to go to SMTI and you think, how in the world am I going to do this financially, sow a seed. Okay, take something of what you, some, some amount of something of what you do have and write it on your offering envelope and say, this is my seed for SMTI. Now, on the other hand, there are those of you in here who maybe would like to uh, give towards a scholarship fund for those people who really do need help in going. So if you would like to, to give into the scholarship fund, you can do that as well. Write on your envelope, SMTI Scholarship Fund, and we'll put that in a fund, <coughs> excuse me, 
and we'll set it aside for those who may be still having a little bit of difficulty in, in making the payments for SMGI. But I'm telling you, you won't be sorry if you go to SMGI. I've got three years, a bunch of you in the class, some of you have got three years, some have one, some have two, but you'll never be sorry if you go to SMGI. It's an absolutely awesome Bible school. And you don't have to leave town, you don't have to sell your house, you don't have to do anything, you just stay here, okay? So I just want to encourage you on that, okay? So let's say our financial faith confession. We ought to be around here somewhere. Where's it? It's on the screen. Okay, you're all ready? Okay. As we bring our tithe, give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want, we can all stand up today. We're going to worship the Lord together. So let's sing. I'm wandering into the night. I'm wanting a place to hide this weary soul. This bag of bones. tried with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. And just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know, and he told me that I am not a Pick me up, turn me around, place my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because He healed my heart, changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. Cannot deny what I've seen. Got no choice but to believe. My doubts are burning like ashes in the wind. So, so long to my old friends. Burden and bitterness, you keep on moving. Now nah, I am welcome here. From now till I walk the streets of gold, I'll sing of how you saved my soul. This wayward son has found his way back home. He picked me up, he turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master, 
I thank the Savior because He healed my heart, changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. All right, let's sing this together. Have lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am. Let's sing that. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free because he picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the savior because he healed my heart. He changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the master. I thank the Savior because he picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior because he healed my heart, he changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. One more time, let's put our hands together. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. Sing that out. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. Oh, I am free because he picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the savior because he healed my heart. He changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands and sing that one more time. Because he picked me up, he turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. Sing that out. 
Because he healed my heart, he changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master, I thank the savior, I thank God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, your promises, your promises, your word is your promise. Thank you, Lord. You're faithful. We love you, Lord. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to. to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same, your history can prove, there's nothing you can't do, you're faithful and true.
meditate on his faithfulness to us. All the times he was there for you. You know it was him and nobody else could do it. You couldn't do it in your own strength. There's only the mighty spirit of God that could have done it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands for a minute this morning. Praise the Lord God. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. And we can declare that great is your faithfulness. There's never been a time that you were not faithful to us. Lord, just like Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, even when we have been unfaithful, you remain faithful for you cannot deny who you are. And so Lord, we know that at your core, at the essence of everything you are, you are faithful. Jesus, we love you. And we ask that you would speak to us today. Have your way in this service in the mighty name of Jesus. You know what each person is going through. You know what we face when we walk out these doors today, Jesus. And we know that you are faithful and you're going to speak to us and tell us what we need to hear today, Lord. We're not, we're not here to find out what we want to hear. We're here to hear what we need to hear. Tell us the truth, Lord. If we've been wrong, we want to know it so we can fix it. And Lord, if we need encouragement, encourage us. But God, we ask that you would have your way today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We praise your holy name today, Father. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus some praise today. Lord, you are good. There is nobody like you in all the earth, Jesus. And we know that someday we're going to be in heaven praising you face to face. Hallelujah. You are good, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, since we couldn't do meet and greet, you have permission to give a fist bump or a high five or a handshake or a hug to someone right beside you or behind you. Amen. So just make sure somebody feels a little love today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We got a nice tight fit in the house today. So, you know, you may have to sit right up next to somebody. This reminds me of uh, when I was first born, my dad was showing me pictures a while back of the family car when I was born. What was that, a Ford Pinto? What was that thing that you drove? A Fiesta? Yeah, we had a Ford Fiesta with like 10 people in the family, so you do the math. I mean, I don't even think that was legal in the 80s, but you know, uh, bottom line is I know how to have a good time even when it's really, really tight-knit together, amen, so... Praise the Lord, but this is going to be uh, just a great day that we remember uh, being together in the house of the Lord. And uh, if you got here a little bit late and maybe don't know why in the world we would want to all cram into a small building together when we've got a 15,000 square foot building sitting right next to us, well, the reason for that is there was a flood and uh, praise God, we're getting some work done over there. Now, the goal is that this would be the only Sunday morning that we're over here. Um, and so we're working diligently this week to be back over there for next uh, Sunday morning. Uh, the nursery and the restrooms will not be usable for quite a while. So, we're, you know, we've got plan B on a lot of that. But anyway, next Sunday morning, the goal is to be over there. But if not, hey, we could do this again, couldn't we? Yeah, I mean, it'll work out. Praise God. We've got some seats up here if anyone's looking for seats in the third row. So just making sure that everyone has a nice spot. All right. Well, what we're going to talk about today is this. Uh, you know that we've spent the last six or seven weeks talking about the agape love of God. And I think we really covered some good ground on that. But this week, the Lord led me in a different direction as I was uh, praying on what to talk about and speak on this week. So the title of the message today is going to be called Through the Storms. Through the Storms. Now, if you need an outline for the uh, message, you could grab one from the ushers there. 
and, and that'll help you follow along a little bit. Now, this is a, a topic uh, and a, uh, that, I've, that I've preached on before, and so maybe you've heard some of this, but I really felt like uh, the Lord uh, leading me to, to go this direction today, because I know that there's a lot of people that maybe you are finding yourself right now in the midst of what we would call a storm in life. And good news is the Bible covers every topic that you need to live a successful and victorious life. Who knows that already? All right. Praise God. So what we're going to do this week is look at three different storms in Scripture and three different men that uh, that went through these storms. Okay? And I'm going to unplug this monitor. Can I do that? Okay. Can I turn this one? There we go. Praise God. I don't want to hear an echo. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Pardon me, but we're going to be talking about three different men that face different storms because I know this much. We all go through storms sometimes, and I also know this, that not every storm is the exact same, and you don't handle every storm the exact same way as others. I grew up in the Midwest in Indiana, and we had tornadoes. I remember my senior year of high school, a tornado came through and ripped the roof off the school while all the children were huddled in the basement. I was not at school that day, and, uh, you know, some would say it's a testimony, but I was like, man, I always wanted to kind of experience something like that, so I was a little bit down, but it's okay, it's all right. Uh, so, but, you know, so a tornado came, and when there's a tornado, what, you go to the lowest level possible and huddle down and cover yourself. I've got friends in the south where they've got hurricanes and floods. Now, to survive a, a, a flood, the worst thing you could do is go down to the basement and huddle yourself, right? So they're both bad storms. They're different in nature, and you survive them and handle them differently. And we know, of course, there's, I mean, you know, got earthquakes out here and sandstorms. And no matter where you are in life, that's one thing I found out. People are like, I never live in California. There's earthquakes. And I'm like, but your whole neighborhood just got blown down by a tornado. So what about that? I mean, there's tornadoes out there. There's hurricanes down there. There's earth. No matter where you go in life. There are storms. So someone would say, you don't have any storms. You're rich. No, they got storms. They just got a different kind. Well, you don't have any. You don't have all this to worry about. No, we all face different things. We know this much, that Jesus is the answer to every single storm that we face, right? But we gotta, uh, what we got to do, though, is identify the cause and the source of the storm and then see how to handle it. And so um, we're going to look at three different men in Scripture today that all faced bad, bad storms. And they all had three different causes, and they all had three different ways of getting out of the storm. Now, I believe that everybody in here today is going to be able to identify with one of these men or, uh, or one of the storms that they were in. So who's ready to learn some Bible today and get a little closer to Jesus? Who's ready to do this? Amen. Well, let's pray, and we're going to get right in to God's Word. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you with grateful and thankful hearts today. And Lord, uh, we realize that we truly are blessed so much more than we'll ever even know. But God, I pray that as we look at the Bible today, you'll speak to us, and you'll show us what we need to see and hear. And Lord, you said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. And so we know that there are some people that are really, really listening because they want their lives to be better and they want their lives to be changed. And so I pray that you would speak and you would have us to hear your word today. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Can someone say amen? 
All right, the first guy we're going to look at is a guy named Jonah. Let's look and talk about Jonah's storm. Have you ever heard of Jonah before? Amen. It's a story that maybe you learned a long time ago. So go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Jonah, if you could. It's right before Micah, if that helps at all. Nahum. <laughs> maybe you don't read the book of Jonah every single day, but it is a, it's a very, very good story for us to, to listen to and understand here. So we're going to look at the book of Jonah. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look here in chapter 1, but just to catch up on the story a little bit, Jonah was told by God, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and tell them that they've got a short time to change their ways. And if they don't, they're going to be judged by God from heaven. And so Jonah's like, okay, so go and tell them this. God says yes. He's like, okay. And he, what does he do? He goes the exact opposite direction. He totally disobeys God and does the exact opposite of what God said. Now, I know that there's nobody in this room that God's ever said, do this, and you did the exact opposite. You never did that, right? I, mean, I might have a time or two, but I'm probably the only one here that's done that. Now, I, I know that it never turns out good when we decide to blatantly disobey what the Lord's told us to do. And I know also that as we look at Scripture, uh, oftentimes we see some of these guys and their flaws and their mistakes, and it's real easy to kind of point and laugh and like, what a loser, who would do that? But when you dig a little bit deeper, I've often found out too that there's plenty of these guys, I look at their mistakes and I'm like, I probably wouldn't have done any better under the circumstances because the city of Nineveh is uh, really modern day Iraq and the city of Mosul. And uh, apparently that's a very rough place. And up until a few years ago, it was under the control of ISIS. And back in Jonah's day, it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and they weren't much nicer than ISIS and all of the modern-day terrorist groups. And so Tony Cook, a great friend of this church and a great author and, and scholar and theologian, he, he put it to us this way one time. He said, what God told Jonah to do would be the equivalent of God telling one of us, I need you to go over to Iraq, go to the city of Mosul, and I want you to find all the terrorist groups and tell them to repent and turn to Jesus or they're going to die. Who would be the first to volunteer for that? I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, man, can I just maybe go out to Yermo or something? There's a lot of, you know, some crazy people out there. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, my parents live there, I'm sorry. So... My bad, my bad. No, but, but God tells, he tells them, man, you're going to go out there, and, and Jonah doesn't do it, and we point and laugh, but at the same time, how many of us would just want to go to a, a terrorist organization and say, turn to Jesus or you're going to die? I mean, that doesn't sound like a very fun thing to do. So what does Jonah do? He goes the opposite way. He gets on a ship that is headed for a place called Tarshish, and, uh, and so he brings a bad storm upon the men that are sailing the ship. So Jonah chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. All right, I'm going to try to tell as much of this story as I can through the scripture today. Jonah 1, verses 8 through 17. And so this is the, the sailors uh, talking to Jonah. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And verse 9, Jonah answered, well, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. 
So Jonah is clearly not even in denial. He's not trying to hide his sin. He knows that he's wrong because he told this group of cussing, mean sailors, hey, I'm running from my God. So, you know, if this anything happens, now you know why. And so, and, and so, oh, why'd you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? And Jonah doesn't even hesitate. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Now, Jonah may have been in rebellion, but my gosh, the boy was honest, wasn't he? he? He wasn't trying to hide anything at all. He was totally honest about what was going on. He didn't try to make excuses. He said, this is my fault. So verse 13, instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to Jonah's God. Maybe Jonah should have been the one crying out to his God. What about that? You're in a bad spot if all the sinners around you know to cry out to God, and you're still being stubborn and, and resisting what God's telling you to do. But all these, these uh, sailors, they cry out, Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Here's your sign, isn't it? I mean, if you needed to wonder who the trouble was, we found out right there. Have you ever had somebody just exit the building, and all of a sudden everything's calm? Like, gee, I wonder who the, who the issue was here. <laughs> They're gone, and everything's okay now. All right, but look here at verse 16. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Talk about a nightmare of an experience. Can you imagine this, being inside of a fish for three days? And three nights, I imagine like the smells that you would see, the things you would feel, the perhaps the things you would see. What a bad experience that they're looking at right here, that Jonah's looking at. And so maybe you've been in a spot where like, what did I do to get myself in here? I never thought, I never imagined I'd be in a spot like this. Well, Jonah was in a place that he probably thought he would never be. But I want you to look at chapter 2 and verse 1. Chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Who thinks that that was a good move to make? I mean, you pray to God when you're in the middle of this situation. But here's what gets me out of this story, okay? He was in there for three days and three nights. And then he decided to pray to the Lord his God. I'm like, what kind of a stubborn man must you be that it takes being inside the fish for three days before you finally break down and say, all right, I'll pray to God finally. I mean, that is a whole other level of stubbornness right there. Ladies, you better say amen that you aren't married to Jonah. You may think that your man's stubborn, but he's not Jonah's stubborn. Jonah was in there for three days and three nights before, and, and even throughout all of it, he fully admitted that
that he was in trouble. He fully admitted that he was in disobedience to God, yet it took three days of torture before he finally tapped out and said, okay, God, I'm sorry. I'll do what you say to do. So look down here at verse 10. You know, he prays this whole, this whole great prayer that, you know, maybe some of us should pray. But look at verse 10. And so he prays, he repents, he says he's sorry. And then in verse 10, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Now, I mean, uh, this whole story just gets me, man. Ever since a kid, it gets me that, that Jonah put himself through all this. And, and it wasn't from God. God, if he would have just obeyed, as we'll see, God had it all handled anyway. He didn't have to be that afraid. But, but if he would have just obeyed in the first place, things would have turned out okay. But can you imagine you're sitting there on the beach with your kids having a day at the beach? A giant fish swims up and pukes and some guy comes rolling out onto the beach. I'm like, wow, what a story, man. I mean, that I, that's just got to be the weirdest experience ever. Some guy comes rolling out, and he's like, whoa, wow, that was strange, and just gets up, walks away. I mean, wouldn't that just flip you out? That was weird. But but Jonah does all of it, and, and, and God gives him a way out. And so on your outline here, you need to know that the cause of Jonah's storm was disobedience. And the answer was repentance. The cause of Jonah's storm was disobedience, and the answer was repentance. Because oftentimes we think that, you know, let's just get real, every single storm comes from the devil, and some do. But I know that if I was to be honest, sometimes in my life, I was kind of the, 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 the source of my own storm uh, because I disobeyed what the Lord said or I maybe sinned or I did something that invited the storm in. God didn't send it. He tried to tell me how to avoid it the whole time. It wasn't God that sent it. And sometimes it wasn't even the devil, but it was my own stubbornness, my own pride, my own disobedience that brought the storm upon me. And so sometimes we're going through something and praise God, we want to quote, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you ought to quote that. But what if you are the weapon that has been formed against you? There comes a time and a place where you've got to say, you know what, God, I know this wasn't you. You tried to get me out of the whole thing before it started. But there comes a time where we've got to be like Jonah and say, okay, I'm going to fix this. We've got to repent. We've got to tell God we're sorry. And repent doesn't just mean to say you're sorry. Repent means to stop what you're doing and turn around and go the opposite way. Now, for Jonah, this meant going straight into basically the terrorist organization's headquarters and telling them, repent or you're all going to die and go to hell. And, 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 and we would think, like, that sounds terrible. But what happened? Jonah went into that city, and it says as he went down the streets preaching and shouting and telling them that God's judgment was going to fall, they all listened to him. It says from the greatest to the least, they listened, they received his message, they repented, received the Lord, and turned from their wicked ways. And I'm thinking, my gosh, what a testimony, and what that could have all happened right from the beginning. Have you ever been in a similar spot where you finally did?
did what you knew was right, even though you knew it was going to be hard, even though you knew it was going to be a challenge. And then in the end, God has it all handled anyway. So you're like, man, why didn't I just do that in the first place? I could have avoided a whole lot of pain. I could have avoided being in a fish for three days and three nights if I had just listened. And so looking at Jonah's storm, we realize that uh, he brought this upon himself. Now, not every storm is our fault, though I would argue by Jonah's case that some are. Not every storm is, but in this case, this was his fault, and he couldn't blame the devil. And again, in our lives, sometimes we're trying to do that. And, and we need to know that he's the source of all evil. But I was thinking about this story about my son, Isaac. I don't, don't think he's in the room, so can we share the story? Oh, he is here. Okay, here we go. So when he was... Oh, okay, he's in the nursery. So I remember this one time, though. Uh, we were sitting in the car over by the church office uh, waiting for Pastor Katie to come out. And so he was a little guy just climbing around the car. Well, he climbs, and he gets himself wedged between the the seat and the side of the car, and he is head first down there with his feet dangling in the air. He's like four or five years old, and he's like, help, help, help. And he's like, oh, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Oh, the devil did this to me. The devil did it. And I'm like, how does a four-year-old know Then I was like, wait a minute. The devil didn't do that. You did that to you. You climbed in there. And then it just dawned on me, how many times have we seen somebody, oh, the devil did this to me. Oh, no, no. And really, in this particular case, as much as the devil would enjoy the credit, he doesn't get any for this one. It was all you climbing into a place you shouldn't have been and getting yourself stuck in a spot that you didn't want to be in. Amen? And so what's the way out? Well, Jonah repented, and God gave him another chance. And so if you have been in a self-inflicted storm, what do you do? you got to repent and admit it, and then you've got to turn around and do things God's way. All right? Let's look at the second storm today. All right? Storm number one, Jonah had a storm. Number two, Jesus had a storm. We're going to talk about a storm that Jesus was in. Let's look at Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. We're glad we came to church today. Amen. I believe the Lord is speaking to us. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Amen. So Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 35 through 41. And you've probably seen this story before. But Mark chapter 4. Verses 35 through 41. Now, I love the way that Jesus handles this. Verse 35, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Everyone's always following Jesus. Verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Can you believe that? You're in the, who's ever been on a little bit of rough waters out on the ocean at least, man? I, I went on this whale watching tour down by Long Beach, and a lot of people lost their lunch. It was a little weird, but, but I, I can't imagine being a, this whole thing's rocking up and down, going back and forth, and here's Jesus just absolutely asleep. Not a care in the world, not a worry at all, and 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 he and he's gonna sleep through this whole thing. And so the disciples woke him out, shouting, woke him up, shouting, "Teacher, don't you care? We're gonna drown." 
When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. I like the King James says, peace, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? You don't have any faith, do you? Do not. I do too. What's wrong with you, Jesus? Don't be so mean. Well, Jesus was just getting real with them right here. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, there's a lot of lessons wrapped up in this story right here. But I can assure you this much. As we identify the source of the storm, the source was not Jesus. And the source was definitely not Jesus' sin. How do we know? Well, Jesus never sinned. There's no way in the world that Jesus found himself in a storm because he had been a bad boy and he had sinned. There's no way that Jesus was in this storm out of disobedience. Another thing interesting is you'll notice that Jesus didn't just jump to conclusions and assume that one of the disciples had sinned. He didn't run, Peter, you've been cussing again? James and John, you've been out fighting again? I mean, because he had a pretty rough crowd of boys he ran with. You know that, right? The disciples were not very dignified men. They were a bunch of roughnecks. And so he didn't run out there and like, man, which one of you did it? I know one of you brought this upon us. He didn't even do that. And so even though this storm, it wasn't even the disciples' fault, I know that they didn't really handle it correctly from the get-go either. Because look at verse 38, the disciples woke him up shouting and shaking him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And so these guys that were so close to Jesus, even in the midst of their storm, they began to question whether or not Jesus actually cares. Now, how many of us have been in a pretty bad spot or a storm? And, and whether we admit it or not, we begin to question, does he even care? I don't hear any, I'm not getting any answers, and it seems like there's no end in sight. I wonder if he actually even cares or not. And it's easy for us to, again, poke and laugh at the disciples like we did Jonah, but how many of us have begun to say, Jesus, don't you even care whether or not I'm going to drown? And, and, and so you need to know this, too, that when Jesus doesn't flip out over our problems, you know, he doesn't flip out over our problems, and sometimes because of that, we're like, does he even care? Well, he doesn't flip out over storms, uh, first of all, because he's not afraid of them. You realize that, right? Jesus isn't a, he's not going to look down at your life and say, oh, dad, get over here. Dad, you got to look at this. This one's really bad. No, he doesn't flip out over our storms because he knows how to handle them. He cares. He cares greatly for us. In fact, it says to cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you, but he's not afraid of what you're going through, and he always knows how to handle the answer. And you know, another thing the disciples did, they did what I see a lot of people do in 2022. They jumped to the worst case scenario. A storm comes up, and instantly, we're going to drown. Oh, God, no. And, and, and these are professional sailors. These aren't guys that have never been on the water before. They jump. They are basically emailing their obituary to the newspaper. And he was a good man. He had four dogs and three cats. Blah, blah, and, 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 and they just assumed that they were going to drown. How many of us, we get just an inkling of bad news, and we just all the way jump to the worst-case scenario. 
well, at my funeral, I'd like for them to play this song, and I'd like for this to go on. And I'm like, dude, we got a paper cut. We're going to make it through this thing, all right? You know, we go to WebMD. I'm getting a headache today. Oh, gosh, they say that people with cancer get headaches, too. And, oh, what am I going to do? Pump the brakes, brother, okay? Listen, when you jump to the worst-case scenario, you open up the door to all sorts of things. And so Jesus was like, dude, do you still have no faith? What is wrong with you guys? You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen me walk on water. You've seen me heal the blind. You've seen all these things. And I'm in the boat with you, and you're going to flip out over a storm? And for us, you've seen God do miracles, haven't you? Just the miracle that you're at church today, and you're alive, and you're well, and you're not dead, and you survived addiction, you survived disease, you survived all the plans the devil had to destroy you, and you're here today, and then you get a little bad email, a little bad look, a little bad something, you're like, what are we going to do, Jesus? Really? Calm down. It's going to be okay. Jesus is the answer. He brought you through. He'll bring you through again. And so I like how Jesus handled this a lot better than the disciples. What did he do? He used spiritual authority to overcome this thing. He got up and he looked that storm right in the eye and he said, peace, be still. And you're like, well, that was Jesus. Don't you know that Jesus said that the same works he did, you will do also. But he said even greater works than these And so if Jesus is my example, and I'm trying to pattern my life after him, when a storm arises in my life, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to speak to that storm and say, in the name of Jesus, peace be still. Amen. But we we cannot be little cowards, little sissies. We've got to stand up to these things in the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't question whether this thing was God's will. Lord, if it be thy will, rebuke this storm and take it away. How would you talk like that? I mean, you know, so many people, if it be thy will. You think God Almighty was going to send a storm to kill his own son? No. I mean, if Jesus had to take the time to stop and, okay, is all this trouble and badness in my life from God? You need to know right now that God is not sending bad things into your life to teach you a lesson. He teaches you through his word. He teaches you through the Holy Spirit. He wants, And we can learn things from experiences, no doubt about it. But every time that I look back in my life and I have learned through pain and sorrow and badness, I have learned through those things, but they were never sent from God. Every single time I can look and see that before the pain came, before the beaten came, that I've received a few, before it happened, every time I can always say, no, God was telling me the whole time to go the other way, but I just wouldn't listen. He gave me a sermon from the preacher to tell me to stop. He showed me Bible verses to tell me to stop. He showed me several ways to avoid it altogether, but when I wouldn't listen and I just pushed the voice of God aside, yeah, I charged right into the storm and got a butt kicking, and I learned a valuable lesson, but it wasn't God who sent that storm. He tried to help me avoid the storm every single time. You got to know 
But John 10.10, most of you know this, tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. If you think that Jesus is the source of your storm instead of the answer to your storm, you're going to be in that storm for a real long time. You need to realize that he ain't the source, but he is the answer. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. And so in the midst of it all, don't accuse him. Don't blame him. Call out to him, and he will rescue you. We know this. We know that he is faithful and that he will always rescue us out of the storm. But you have to know that God is not the one that sent the storm into your life. And so on your outline here, The cause of Jesus' storm was Satan. Satan sent this storm. And the answer was using spiritual authority. Well, why why, why did Satan send this storm? Well, if you were to keep reading into Mark chapter 5, Jesus had a purpose for where he was going. There was a man on the other side of that lake that was possessed by a multitude of demons. And Jesus was on his way, even if he didn't know what was on the other side yet. Jesus was on his way to cast out all those demons. And this man became a preacher. This man got out and said, hey, there was a man that set me free. And he'll do the same thing for you. And people are like, we know how crazy you were. So, yeah, what, well, who saved you? Who set you free? Amen. Any of you, somebody sees your life now and they're like, we know how crazy you were. There must be a God. Okay, thank you. All right, praise God. So, hey, you know who you are. And so, yes, some of us, the Lord has changed us so much, it's undeniable that there is a Savior and that he is real. Now, in your life, the storm you're going through, it very well, very likely could be sent by Satan. And why would he be doing this? He wants to get you to turn around. Maybe you're on your way to help deliver somebody and set them free from the devil. Maybe there's somebody that is that is being held back in bondage by Satan. And maybe you're on your way to the other side of the water to bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the devil says, hey, if I can just shake them up enough, they'll turn around and go back to the other side. And if he gets you to quit right now, if he gets you to turn around and go back and, you know, no, 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 this ain't worth it. It's not only going to affect your life. Very well could affect somebody else's life in a great big way. What do you do? You use your authority in the name of Jesus. So, no, I'm not quitting this time. Uh-huh. You may have got me last time. I refuse to quit. I'm pushing through this thing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I'm going to reach the other side and do what Jesus sent me to do. Amen? Amen. You realize you've got a call in your life, right? Me? Who? Me? Yeah, you. You don't don't think that preachers are the only people that have a call from God. Everybody in this room has a call from God. There are people that you are to reach with the gospel. And if you quit every time a little storm comes, I mean, let's get real. You're going to have to talk to God about that in heaven someday. I'm not trying to scare you or put judgment on you. But, you know, I'm not saying you won't go to heaven. I'm just saying that when you get there, he's going to say, hey, why didn't you go? you go talk to them? Why, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you complete what you started? You quit every single time. Why is that? And what are we going to say? 
I don't know. It was really hard. I didn't want and Jesus is going to say, well, the cross was kind of hard, too, but I kind of went through with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, just think about, it. you know, he could have turned around. He could have quit, but he pushed through anyway. And that's what we're called to do. I am not going to be a quitter. There's there's some things, man, maybe I'm not the best at, but I, I know this much. I refuse to quit. I'm going to stick with this thing until the day that I die or Jesus comes and takes me up to heaven with him. But I will not quit. Amen. And we all going to say that today. Say that with me. I will not quit. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we are not going to quit. And so, again, the cause of Jesus' storm was Satan, and the answer was using spiritual authority. Now, oftentimes, you got to know this also. This is just a little... Uh, addition to the message, but oftentimes we're like, man, things are going really bad. I must not be in the will of God. Well, I know this much that Jonah's storm came because he wasn't in the will of God. Jesus' storm came, and clearly he was right in the middle of the will of God. So there's only really two circumstances that you're going to get storms in life, when you're in the will of God and when you're not in the will of God. So just what I'm saying is storms come to everybody. So don't just sit there and think like, man, it's hard. I must not be in the, You may very well be in the perfect will of God. You don't judge God's will based upon how much money you have right now. You don't base the will of God Almighty upon your comfort and your circumstances. Now, yes, we do believe that the Lord wants you to have a good, wonderful, long life. But Jesus found himself in the storm right here. And, and it wasn't because he was outside of the will of God. How do you judge if you're in the will of God? Well, first of all... Clearly, if you're obeying his word, that's a great first step. But also, he will lead you inside of your heart. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so, he's going to lead you in your heart. And so, if every time something bad happens, you think, well, it's not the will of God, I'll just quit this job. Or if I'm going I'm to pull my kids out of this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to move over here. I'm going to listen. Easy. Airbag. Calm down. Listen. Stop. You need to listen to the Lord in your heart and not say that, well, because I don't have enough money, because I don't have enough of this. That's not how you judge if you're in the will of God or not. Amen? Because Paul, did you ever see the list of bad things Paul went through in 2 Corinthians? I'm not going to go there today, but he went through some really bad stuff. And I'm not trying to scare us and say, well, uh, I must be having to go through bad stuff to be. No, no, no. But just know this much. Don't quit just because things are hard. Don't don't give up and pack up and move and leave and, and, and blow your whole life up to start over just because things are a little bit difficult. You hear me? we got to listen to the voice of God on the inside of our hearts. Amen. All right. And so who wants to see what the third storm was? I don't believe you. That didn't sound. <laughs> All right. Number three, the third storm is Paul's storm. We're going to talk about. Paul today, Paul's storm. Now, as we just mentioned, as you know, Paul endured a lot of stuff that he didn't deserve. He went through a lot of things, but let's flip over to Acts chapter 27, and we're going to look at the third and the most violent storm of all three today. This was the worst storm by far that any three of these guys went through. And so, Acts chapter 27, and as we're going there, at this point of time, Paul had been incarcerated for about two years. 
uh, by the end of the book of Acts here, and he realized that he was not going to get a fair trial uh, from the Jewish people due to the religious prejudice. He was Jewish himself, but uh, he was a Christian now, and uh, they were not a big fan of Paul. Paul spoke a lot of clear, hard truth, and, and he received a lot of persecution, again, much more than you or I will probably ever know. But he knew he, there's no way he could get a fair trial where he was at. So he appeals his case to Caesar, and he's going to get to go to Rome to stand trial where he believes he's going to get a more uh, you know, unbiased uh, uh, chance at things. And so he's a Roman citizen, so they grant him his request. And he's on a ship headed to Rome full of uh, – it was a – it had a bunch of, I think they were transporting wheat and stuff. But there's also a lot of prisoners on the ship. So Paul was one of many prisoners. And so as he's going on the boat, the Lord's warning him like, <laughs> disaster is coming. And, of course, he tries to tell the guys. And they're like, every prisoner says that. Shut up and get back in line. You know, Everyone, that's what they all say. But look here. Acts chapter 27. We'll start here with verses 10 through 12. Men, he said. I believe, or the King James says, I perceive there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And can you blame him? I mean, would you listen to the captain or the ship or to the prisoner? So far, I don't blame the guy. And so, uh, verse 12, and since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, it was a poor place to spend the winter. Most of the crew wanted for this. Most of the crew, excuse me, wanted to go on to Phoenix. Did you know that there's a harbor in Phoenix? Not not Arizona. No, no, no. The or the, the other Phoenix, the other one. So you know, I got oceanfront property in Arizona. So, okay, all right. Wow. Two weeks in a row, I attempted to sing. Two weeks in a row, I struck out. But anyway, they're going on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. And so, again, uh, we look back at the verse 10 there. Paul says, I perceive that there's trouble ahead. What is it when we perceive something? Maybe you didn't straight up hear the voice of God, but you just know in your heart. Have you ever just perceived something? You just, you just feel it in your heart that God's saying something. And so Paul was in a situation here, though, that was completely out of his hands. God was with him, but other people were in control of his life right now. And maybe you've been in a spot where God's saying, eh, a little danger coming up ahead. And sometimes, honestly, we're in a spot where we're not the decision maker. We're not in charge of this situation, so to speak. Maybe we're in a spot like Paul. And in verse 12, the King James says, they talk to everybody, but the majority advised to go forward. How many times have you heard, well, the majority says blah, 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 blah. And we're like, I know the majority says that, but the Bible says something different. Well, what do I do? I go with the Bible. I go with God every single time. Even if the majority of people say no, what do we do? We go with what God's saying. But the majority says no. So the captain listened, and they found out that the majority is not always right. Look at verse 13. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. And a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up 
and let it run before the gale. This is getting ready to turn into a wickedly bad, bad storm. Verse 27 tells us that it lasted for 14 days. Jesus' storm maybe lasted an hour or two. We don't know how long. Jonah, at the worst case, was in his spot for three days. This instance, they were in a horrific storm for 14 days. Can you imagine being out in the middle of the ocean 14 days of this? This had to be an absolute nightmare. Verse 18, the next day as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. A storm so bad that you can't even see the sun or the stars for 14 days. This is a bad storm, and none of it was Paul's fault. None of it. He, all he was doing was obeying what God said to do. I want you to see here verses 21 through 26. Check this out. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. Anybody ever had an I told you so moment? This was Paul's moment like, Hey, you should have listened to me. And some of us really enjoy those moments. Like, told you so. Well, in this case, Paul probably wishes that he had been wrong. He said, you would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. Yay, we get to go to court. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. And so out of all this, you can read through to the end of the story, but check it out. Paul was in a storm that he didn't bring on himself. And in this case, not even the devil sent this to him. But what happened? He was in a storm that was kind of brought on by the people around him for not listening. God showed a way out, but no one would listen. And sometimes, believe it or not, the storms in our life, they could either be from our disobedience, they could be from the devil, and sometimes you may just be surrounded with the wrong people. And it's not, you know, hey, it's not even your fault in this instance, but the storm is upon you now. And so, again, this is just one of the storms, but, but I want to say this. The cause of Paul's storm was other people. The cause of his storm was other people. And the answer was patient endurance and prayer. And that doesn't sound very encouraging. That doesn't sound like, you know, a quick miracle breakthrough. But the way out of Paul's storm, he was in the, he had to endure this thing for 14 days. And you may think like, yeah, two weeks, that's not so bad. In this instance, 14 days had to seem like an absolute nightmare. But what did he do? He endured it through patient endurance and prayer. And there is a spiritual discipline of endurance in our lives 
that sometimes we have to tap into because sometimes it doesn't all just change instantly. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. And we are told to fight the good fight of faith. And sometimes the good fight lasts a little while, but praise God, the good fight is a fight that we can win every single time. And I want to show you one final verse today before we close out and do communion together. I want, to, I want you to look at one final verse, Hebrews 10 and verse 36. Hebrews 10 and verse 36. Are we still, are we still with it today? Amen. Hebrews 10 and verse 36. And I believe that no matter who we are, each of us can identify with one of the storms that we've looked at today. Maybe we know right away that, hey, I've kind of brought something on my life here that I, I didn't want to bring. Or, or maybe you can clearly identify, yeah, this is the, the, the devil brought this upon me. And sometimes that's absolutely the case. And in this third one right here, we're seeing that every now and then we're kind of in the storm of somebody else's making. But praise God, he gets us through. Hebrews 10.36, it says, patient endurance is what you need now. Why? So you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Can somebody say patient endurance? Now that may not sound like the best thing you've ever heard in your life, but it's a real thing. Patient endurance is what you need now. So you will continue to do God's will. So you won't quit right in the middle of the whole thing. God has a plan. God has a purpose for you. God has people for you to reach, to bring into the kingdom of God. And I believe there will be no sweeter thing in this life than to get to heaven and stand before God and him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I, I believe he's going to say, turn around. I want you to look at this group of people right here. These are people that are here because you obeyed. Think about that. My gosh. Your decision to not quit, your decision to handle things the right way can drastically affect somebody else's destiny. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Can I ask us to stand up together today? Now, again, for the sake of our current circumstance, we're not going to come up and get communion. We are going to pass it out to you. We're also not going to have a, a, an altar line up here today, again, for the just the closed nature of this service right now. But uh, as we pass the elements around, you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion. It's not like that. But we just want you to be a member of the family of God. We want you to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the biggest thing. So I want to lead you in a prayer today. Then I want us to sing a song together. And so even as they're passing it around, I ask that you would pray this prayer with me. Can you say this? Father, in Jesus' name, Father, in Jesus name I believe in your son, Jesus. That he died and rose again. Jesus, I believe that you are the answer to my storm. You're not the cause of it. Help me, Jesus, to trust you and live for you. Give me the strength. Give me another chance. Forgive me, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we've prayed that, maybe you've prayed it a million times, and hey, I'm thrilled for you. Maybe you've uh, maybe never prayed it. Either way, the biggest thing is that when we call on the name of the Lord and we mean it, he answers us. So 
We're going to take a, a, a minute here with the elements in hand. I've asked Josh to sing a song for us today. It's an older hymn, and you may be like me, and you didn't grow. I did not grow up singing hymns. I grew up charismatic and Pentecostal, and we sang wild, fiery stuff, and I love it. But as I've gotten a little bit older, I've started to enjoy hymns because I believe there is really deep significance in a lot of their writings. And I find, to be honest, some of these older hymns, I find a lot more depth than in a lot of the super hip, super cool, super fog machine light show modern stuff. And you may think, why would you say that? You know, because our church is, we're not a, we're not an old school church. We're kind of modern, but, uh, but I just know that some of these, uh, some of these hymns, they mean a lot to me as I've learned them in my adult years. And so this is a song called Jesus Paid It All, written a very long time ago, but I've been singing it all week long. So I asked Josh to lead us in it. You probably don't know the words since I mainly didn't know the words, but they're going to be on the screen here. Let's sing for a minute. And as we're singing uh, here in, in just a few moments, we're going to take the communion elements together. But I want you to reflect and, and thank Jesus that he did pay it all because certainly you couldn't have paid the price. Amen. Let's take a minute. Josh, lead us. I hear the Savior sing Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as died to save my soul my lips shall still be Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow sing Jesus Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Where sin had left a crimson stain, 
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. The sin had left a crimson stain, he who washed it white as snow. Hallelujah. We realize that he did pay it all. Amen. There's, there's nothing left to pay. You don't have to pay the price for your own sins. Jesus paid that price for us today. We do want to live a clean life before him. And so as we take communion, I'm going to read a few verses here from 1 Corinthians 11. In verse 27, it says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And so I know that I've got to respect communion. I, I, I don't joke at communion. I don't wonder what I'm going to eat for lunch. I don't wonder what time to get. I'm just being serious, man. Communion's a real thing to me because I know that if I, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just being serious that you disrespect this, you're, you're sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Who wants to do that? And so let's look at these next couple of verses here because it kind of shows us where maybe we've uh, opened up the door to some things in our life. It says, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And that's why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. And so let's just, you know, again, I don't like to try to scare people. I'm just reading the Bible here. But but it does tell us that some people have brought sickness upon themselves and weakness and Apparently, in the Corinthian church at least, some of those people had even died because they're so disrespectful to the body and blood of the Lord. Now, we don't we know that these aren't the real it's not the real body and, and blood of Jesus there. I know, you know, perhaps like the Catholic Church believes that. We we don't believe in that doctrine of transubstantiation, but we do believe that we are gonna honor this because this represents the very body of Jesus Christ, the blood that paid the price for us to get to heaven. Now, you notice back there, verse 27, I think it tells us that we got to examine ourselves. And so let's do that this morning. We're going to take a minute to examine ourselves, And if we need to repent of something, let's do that right now. If we need to say, God, I'm sorry, help me. If there's something that you need to talk to God about, let's do that right now. And so, again, judge yourself. Don't judge your wife. Don't judge your husband. Don't judge your sister or brother. Take a minute to judge yourself before God. And if you need to make some changes, let's do it. And then we're going to take communion together. Amen. Apostle Paul writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, 
The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you let your body be broken for us. You said that the price for our healing, the price for our peace came because you received that beating. And we we thank you, Jesus. We do this to remember you. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so, Jesus, we do this today to remember you, and we thank you for our new covenant that was paid for with your blood, not the blood of a, of a sheep or a goat or something like that. This is paid for with your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And it looks like the ushers have some trash cans there. We'll pass these down. But Josh, can we sing that chorus one more time? Jesus paid it all. Amen. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He who washed it white as sin. One more time. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Hallelujah. Can we give Jesus some praise today? Amen. God is good to us. He is so good to us. And so I encourage you that as we study the word today, maybe you're like, I'm not in any storm. Praise God. Good for you. Love you. Thrilled for you. Uh, maybe you are in the midst of a storm right now, though. And you could look at some of these examples from Scripture and see how these people got through their storm. And you can do the same thing. And Jesus gets all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Well, uh, we're not going to do a, a, a prayer line today uh, just because we you know avoid congestion up here. But I do want to, if you need prayer, I'll have some of, you know, some of us available uh, to, to pray for you if you need that. And uh, you can just see us kind of here in a few minutes after it clears out. Um, there will be service tonight, 6 o'clock. It's going to be awesome, off the charts, incredible. So be here. And the goal is by next Sunday to have service in the building, okay? Though the nursery and bathrooms won't be available, so nursery would still be over here and stuff. But uh, but that's our goal for next Sunday. So if you could hook your faith up with us that this is all going to be a, a, a quick process, amen, uh, amen. We're not uh, afraid about the money, you know, the, it's, all, it's all handled. But we just really want it to go quickly and for it to be fixed properly. And, uh, and, and I'm just excited, man. The, what the devil meant for harm, God's going to turn around for good. Amen. I believe that. I believe that. You know, we've been wanting our bathrooms remodeled because every time I walk into the bathroom, the men's bathroom, I think, hey, it's 1995. Let's go. 
Uh, uh, anyway, so, um, but I believe that it's going to be a good turnaround for us, and God's going to get the glory out of all of it. Amen. So, again, uh, be here tonight, and, and just I encourage you, please stick with us through all this. It's going to be an exciting time, and it's going to be awesome, and uh, the Lord's going to help us out. All right? Let's go ahead and close in prayer today. And then we will dismiss you. And, you know, your kids, some kids are back here. Some are over at the office building. So grab your kids, and then you can, uh, you know, hang out. I don't care. Hang out all you want to. Have fun. Uh, just stay with your kids, though. Don't let them run around the parking lot. And, you know, as we exit the parking lot, make sure that you do it orderly. And my wife's telling me, make sure you don't speed. All right? Who in here likes to speed in the church parking lot? Okay, I knew, I knew it. We, we know who you are. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, let's pray, and then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your word and that it is true. And, Lord, we know that, hey, sometimes storms come, and it wasn't even our fault. But we also know that you are greater, and you bring us through anything and everything that comes against us. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? And despite all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we thank you for those promises. I pray that as we go about our week this week, Lord, that you would use us. We know you're with us because you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. And so I pray a blessing on every marriage, every family in this church, Lord. I thank you that their homes are full of the peace of God and the joy of the Lord. You're blessing their finances, Lord. You're blessing their health and, and, and everything about them. Everywhere we go, Jesus, we know that we are blessed because of our covenant with you. We love you and we praise you. Use us this week for your glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? All right. Who wants to do our Barstow Faith Confession today? Come on, I know you do. Who are you? All right, Thomas, come on up, little brother. All right, let's get this guy up here. Wow, that's an, I almost wore that same outfit today. That looks good. I almost wore that. All right, bud. All right, can you, do you know it, or do you need a screen? You better have to step down there, bud. I know the stage is fun, but. The stage is very fun. All right, uh, as we bring, or, no. Okay. All right, uh, we declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is covered with the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. See you tonight. Woo!